0: we to <clears throat> we'll go to James chapter 5 today. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, or there it's in your worship folder. And I know the question, as we're turning there, the question that is upon everyone's mind uh, this morning how many Presbyterians does it take to move a thousand pound lift into the sanctuary? <laughs> and that answer would be 11. Um, And that's what happened after church last week, we moved a lift in and um, then it only took three of us or four of us after that to get it down here, get it up here and to go up there. Only one of us went up there, the rest of us were down here praying that um, (laughs) things would work out fine. And it was nothing but uh, $4 worth of fuses that had to be changed and the lift came down and then the question is how many Presbyterians does it take to get the lift down the steps takes a, a lot less going down, uh, and then we also learn that you have to turn on things in just the right way, or the fuses will blow again, so next Saturday, Sunday, you all, 10 of you, will have the chance to bring the lift in again, okay, and to do it all again, so... You learn. Isn't that what what Elon Musk said when they said, what do you do now that your rocket blew up? He said, well, you learn from your failures. OK, that what, that's true. You learn from your failures. Um, so that was that's just the way that it goes sometimes. OK, so if you're in if you have your Bibles in James chapter five, if you would stand with me and I'll read the word of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would bring your Holy Spirit uh, upon us, open our eyes and hearts, that we would understand these words, that we would, that we would come to you with passion, that we would pray with, um, with hearts that seek you first and foremost, and put our own desires and wills aside, that we may know yours. Open our eyes to this, we pray in Christ's name, amen. So James chapter 5, verses 13 through the end of the chapter. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you is wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is God's inspired word for us today. So please be seated. So we're going to spend two weeks on this passage. This week we're going to look at prayer and God's sovereignty. And then next week we will look at the particulars of this passage and what it is telling us so today I'm going to try to open up some of the hard questions we have about prayer we all know we're supposed to pray okay we all know that um, okay in our personal devotions we have a a time of prayer Uh, at church we come and we pray um, but what do we really pray for and how do we pray do we pray with expectation do we pray with humility we're going to look at those things today because there are questions about prayer that that i'm convinced that people have that we're all afraid to ask out loud because if we ask them out loud in the in the presence of other believers we might look to, we might be looked upon as well you really don't have that much faith or you really don't know how god works and we don't want to look like the stupid one but i'm going to bet that most people are asking those questions they're just too afraid to ask them in public be assured that god will act he will hear our prayers and use our prayers to change us and to change things but he will never change now i realize that there are those who believe that god changes that there is uh, uh, the, the changeable God movement and, and things like that that have gone on in, in churches, that God changes his mind relative to what we do and that that would make us sovereign and not God, because if God has to adjust to us, then we're in charge, right? It is we who has to have to change relative to God. I'm going to quote the uh, English puritan Stephen Charnock here relative to this issue, the unchangeableness of God. And specifically, we see in the Old Testament, the word, and God repented, is used. So we're going to deal with that in particular. Charnak says, God's repentance cannot have anything in common with our own repentance, which stems from want of foresight, ignorance, or what would succeed or uh, a defect in the examination of the occurrences, which might fall within consideration, okay, our own sinfulness and undecidedness. Repentance for God is only a change of outward conduct according to his infallible foresight and immutable will. Unmutable means unchanging. Scripture expresses these things in a human way by marking out something in God that has resemblance with something within us. So We say God repents because we understand that word repentance, but understand it has to be used in the context of God and his attributes. We use this kind of language all the time when we talk about our relationship with God. For example, we often talk about God drawing near to us. Scripture talks about that. But this is just a human way of speaking because God is immovable. We are floating and uncertain beings. While he seems to approach us, he really makes us approach him. He comes not to us by any change of place in himself but draws us to him by a change of our mind, our will, and our affection. Okay? So I believe in the absolute sovereignty of God, that he is in control. If there's a molecule running loose in the universe and God doesn't know about it, God is not controlling it, then he is not sovereign. So I believe that everything is under his sovereign will and control. And whatever he does is good. Because he is the one who defines what is good. Because it serves to further his will and to give him glory. That's good. I do not always understand it. I do not always like it. But it is that way. He is the one who brings into the lives of believers and allows things to happen in this world. And his ways are best. And he is under no obligation to explain them to us beyond what scripture says. Or, to take our opinion into consideration when we think about those things, we think of a loved one, loved one that's stricken with something, the trial, a disease, you know, and we think oh, this they 're too young to face this disease, and so we begin to pray, and we pray for healing because that 's typically what we do. We go to the Lord and we pray for healing. We also need to be praying for their understanding of what the lord is doing in the midst of this trial in the midst of their suffering that their eyes would be open to exactly what god has and is doing in their lives in the midst of this we pray passionately for this and for their healing and then that loved one dies did god not hear our prayer did god ignore our prayer Was God not able to intervene and is he not powerful enough to overcome a sickness or a trial in someone's life? As believers, we exist in the midst of several things. We have my desire. We have God's sovereignty. These exist in a fallen world. And then we also have, from scripture, God's command that we pray. It is a command that we pray. So we're left to ask why or why not was the person we prayed for healed or why has the Lord not delivered us or them from these trials that we face that we think are weighing us down to such a degree that we can hardly, hardly continue. Many have faced those questions and they have found their faith wanting. They have said I, God did not act in the way I thought he was so he must not be powerful enough. And, and we probably all know people who have said those types of things and have left, in a sense, the church. They were, they were so disillusioned because they believed God to act in a certain way. That when he didn't act in accordance to the way that, he, that they wanted him to act, they threw up their hands and said, well, he must not be able to. And it's driven them away from the church. Instead of driving them to their knees, it has driven them away from their church. Many have taken the route of Job's wife. Curse God. He can't do it. It's unfair. He's He's apathetic to us. He's just up there and he got the ball rolling and now he sits back and says, you're on your own. Why wouldn't God grant my desire look at me I'm a good guy right we all like to think that in our hearts Uh, why wouldn't he listening to me this is a good thing think if this person was healed think of the glory of God that would come out of this miraculous healing and he doesn't do it what am I going to do with that so we're left with this question if he has the power to do as he pleases can he exercise that power at any moment? Yes. And he cannot be talked into changing his mind. You know, Lord, if you do this, then I'll do this. Okay? You're trying to make a bargain with the God who's the creator of everything, tempting him with the fact that I'll come and serve you now the rest of my life if you only do those, this one thing. That's not much of a bargain on God's side but we like to make bargains with God. We like to think that we could make a bargain with God and change his mind. If those things are true, why in the world should I pray? See, that's what it comes down to. Why in the world should I pray if God is sovereign and in control of everything? He he knows the beginning. He knows the end. He knows everything in between. What use is it? And beyond the fact that he commands us to pray, what use is it? question assumes that prayer is only there to get something from god only to get him to to change an action or to change a situation in the world in which we live or the lives of those that we love and care about prayer has a lot of different dimensions to it god's sovereignty does not mean that we cannot praise him We cannot bring our adoration to him, that we cannot repeat the words of scripture and who he is and thank him for his creation, thank him for his attributes, thank him for his love and care in our lives. R.C. Sproul said, God's foreknowledge or determinate counsel does not negate the prayers of praise. The only thing it should do is give us greater reason for expressing our adoration for God. He is sovereign, and he doesn't change, and he tells us how he is going to work in this world. We should be thankful, okay? Because what if one of us were God? Just take your pick, the person next to you, behind you. We're all kind of fickle. Not kind of. We are fickle. We are changeable, tossed about by every wind and wave. Our minds change, we get a better deal over here, we're going to be drawn over there. What if God was like that? Well, you know, Randy's prayer was better than his, so I'm going to go with Randy's view. No, that's not the way God works. He says this is right and this is good and it is good for those who belong to him and he is going to act in the way that brings him glory and serves the good for those who are his. So for those of you who have been around Central a long time, you know that the elders are, are will at the drop of a hat come when they are called, James called the elders. We've been to the hospital where people have been very, very sick and a question of whether they were going to leave or not, leave the hospital alive. We have prayed, they have come home. We have prayed and people have not gotten any better. Was it a lack of faith of the elders? Did they just not believe enough? Should we go back and and pray harder? Maybe there was unconfessed sin in one of the elders' lives. Maybe there was unconfessed sin in Randy's life. And and I blew the whole thing because my heart wasn't right. No. We are not the determiners of what God will do. We are the petitioners of our Heavenly Father. Petitioners of our Heavenly Father. Once again, R.C. Sproul. He was asked, does prayer change God's mind? And when he answered, there was a storm of protest because he said, no, it does not change God's mind. Now, he goes on to say, if they had asked the question, does prayer change things? The answer is yes. Prayer changes things. Let me continue to quote Sproul as he lays this out. The Bible says there are certain things God has decreed from all eternity those things will inevitably come to pass. There is no way to change them because God has decreed them. If you were to pray individually, or if you and I were to join forces in prayer, if all the Christians in the entire world were to pray collectively, it would not change what God in his hidden counsel has determined to do from before the foundations of the earth. If we decided to pray for Jesus not to return, he would still return okay you get the idea there you might remember and say well hey doesn't the bible say that if two or three agree on anything that it will come to pass sproul says yes but that passage is talking about church discipline not prayer requests so we must take all the biblical teaching on prayer into account and not isolate one passage from the rest the mind of god does not change for god does not change he one of his incommunicable attributes an incommunicable attribute means only God has it okay it is not communicated to us one of his incommunicable attributes is immutability he does not change that way you can say God has made this promise in his word he will not renege on that promise it will continue so things back to scroll, things change and they change according to his sovereign will which he exercises through secondary means, through activities, things like that. The prayer of his people is one of the means he uses to bring things to pass in this world. So if you ask me whether prayer changes things, the answer is yes, of course it does. God commands us to pray, commands us to pray for people and for situations and for things that's part of the prayers that we give to God outside of adoration outside of uh, just his glory and thanking him for those things we pray for those people and situations because he commands us to does it change things yes does it change God no nothing can change God in the Westminster Confession chapter 3 that chapter is on eternal decrees okay God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass, you got that, by his most wise and holy counsel of his own will, freely and unchangeably ordained whatsoever comes to pass, yet so as thereby neither is God the author of sin, nor is violence offered to the will of the creatures. Nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away. But rather established. God knows whatsoever may or can come to pass in every condition. Every condition God knows. Yet he is not to create anything because he foresaw it. That that means God didn't look down the line. You know, from, from the moment of creation. Let's go back to Genesis 1. And he goes, you know... I know that Jenkins, two and four, six thousand, however many thousand years down the line, he's going to believe, so I think I'm going to save him. That's not the way God works. He looks down the line and I say, Jenkins is going to believe and he is saved. That's the way that it works. God determines, specifically in salvation, who will believe and he saves them. He is the one that determines it. He establishes the future while at the same time, man's free will is not impinged. Well, you say, well, Rand, you you say God chose you before the foundations of the earth, Ephesians chapter 2, and that he would save you. But yet on that day in 1977, a Tuesday night in Ocean City, New Jersey, I'm the one who prayed. I'm the one who believed. I'm the one who put my hand up. I'm the one that confessed faith in Christ. yes. How did you do that? Because he gave me faith. Did you pray? Yes. Did you believe? Yes. How were you able to? He gave me the faith. He said, Randy, you're going to be saved. That is his sovereign will. God's sovereignty and our exercise of our free will in our prayers are not antithetical. They are not at loggerheads. Think of Elijah. James mentions him. Through prayer he kept it from raining. Now, god kept it from raining but elijah prayed now did elijah go well you know god's the one who gives the rain and he withholds it and and if really it's no no purpose in me praying because god's going to do what he wants no elijah said i'm going to pray and it didn't rain and then he prayed and it rained okay think of jesus who in all of history knew the heavenly father better who more fiercely and more often prayed than any of us have ever done in our lives yet there he is in the garden of gethsemane and what does he pray lord if it be thy will let this cup pass by me and what did the lord say no this is yours this is your cup we've known this from before the foundations of the world that this was going to come this was going to take place it was going to come to this moment and he prays And the Lord says, no, we're going to continue on this path. And he did. Does prayer change God's mind? No. Does prayer change things? Yes. And this is the promise of scripture. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Well, there it says, right there, the prayer of a righteous person has great power. What's our problem? I'm not all that righteous. (laughs) and okay? that is and that's the first problem we face okay i do not have a clean heart and clean a pure heart and a clean mind or pure heart and clean hands as the psalmist says the problem is we're not all that righteous but what happens in prayer when we go to the lord if we're honest in prayer we're going to take to him all that we are and all that we care about and we're going to put it before him and if we are honest and submit to his will We really should be praying, Lord, soften my heart. Shape my will in accordance with yours. That I may understand and do and accept what is right according to you. Augustine said nothing happens in this universe apart from the will of God. Nothing. Nothing. He's not attempting to remove our responsibility but he's raising the question if God is sovereign over the actions and the intents of men, the question is raised why should I pray? Why should I pray? We pray because God commands it, God requires it of every believer. Now, think about that for a moment. The God of the entire universe, the one who has created everything that we see, the one who formed us, the one who knew us when we were in our mother's womb and shaping and forming us he says to us i want you to come and talk to me i want you to come bring your sin bring your sorrow bring your joys bring your brokenness and come to me and let's talk about these things come to me and lay them before me because where else can you expect things to change jonathan edwards you know my favorite wrote in one of his sermons it's called the most high a prayer hearing god he gives two reasons why god requires prayer with respect to god prayer is but a sensible acknowledgement of our dependence on him and to his glory he has made all things for his own glory so he will be glorified and acknowledged by we the creature and it's fit that he should require this of those who are subject to his mercy It's suitable to acknowledge our dependence upon the power and mercy of God for which we desperately need. And it's suitable to honor the great author and foundation of all that is good. Now, prayer in respect to ourselves. God requires prayer of us. It tends to prepare our hearts for him and his word. It excites in us. I'm translating Edwards for you. He excites in us our need so our mind is prepared to enjoy his mercies, enjoy his grace. Faith in God's sufficiency so that we may be prepared to glorify his name and receive his mercy. That's why we pray. All that God does first is for his glory and second for our good. We pray because God commands us to, because it glorifies him, and because it benefits us. Everything that God does, everything that God allows and ordains in the fullest sense is for his glory. And it's also true that while God seeks his own glory, it benefits man. And when man is benefited, it is for his glory. We pray to glorify God, but we pray in order to receive the benefits of that prayer as well. Now, we might ask, with all this, again, Rand, what if prayer doesn't do any good? That doesn't remove the obligation for us to go to the Lord in prayer because he commands it. If you have your Bible open, turn to Job 31. You want to talk about somebody who had reason to not pray reason to throw up his hands and go lord you're not listening to me lord these troubles continue i don't believe you are paying any attention because all of us have been there and we pray and we did not get what we hoped to we don't understand the outcome we don't understand the circumstances and we kind of throw up our hands and say well that was a useless undertaking what do i do now Job 31 this is his last appeal to God remember he set up as Satan says hey you know let me have a Job and God says you can do this much and he does and then he sits there his friends come and for seven days they say nothing which is probably the best thing that they could have done uh, and then they start to give him ideas and input And these questions go back and forth. And this is Job's last discussion with the Lord. And basically he is asking, why? Why? 31. I've made a covenant with my eyes. How then could I gaze at a virgin? What would be my portion from God above and my heritage from the Almighty on high? Is not calamity for the unrighteous and disaster for the workers of iniquity? He's saying, I'm a righteous guy, Lord. Why is this happening? Does not he see my ways and number all my steps? And then he gives all of these ifs, these questions. If I have walked with falsehood and my foot has hastened to deceit, let me be weighed in a just balance. If my step is turned aside from the way and my heart's gone after my eyes, and if any spot has struck to my hands, then let me sow and another eat, and let what grows for me be rooted out. If my heart has been enticed towards a woman, um, then let it, this happen. And we go to the 13. And if I have rejected the cause of my manservant or maidservant, then let this happen. 16. If I have withheld. And he goes on and on and says, Lord, if I've done any of these things, let me be judged. But I haven't done any of these things. So why is all this happening? So next. Flip over to 34. No, thirty. 38 because between 31 and 38 all those guys who are sitting around with him give him answers and he's crying out to the Lord in in his prayers and he's saying what are you doing Lord this can't be right I'm a righteous guy why are you doing this and here comes the answer from the Lord and we would think that perhaps the Lord would would be gracious enough to answer specifically those questions Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. We just saw in Ezekiel 1, God comes sometimes in that. Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determines its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the seas with doors? It goes on and on. Have you commanded the morning since your days began? Have you entered the springs of the sea? Verse 19. Where's the way to the dwelling of light? And where's the places of darkness? Job has no answers for these things. Why? Because only God knows these things. He has determined them. And he goes on, and he goes on through 39, and he goes on through 40. Look at 40, chapter 41. Can you draw Leviathan with a fish hook? Can you do that, Job? And we're thinking, God, when are you going to answer Job's question? Oh, he's answering it. 42. We go all the way of questions. He takes all that time to answer those questions. And his answer really is, I'm sovereign. I'm the one who's done all this. Can you not trust in me? And 42, then Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Here and I will speak. I will question you and make it known to me. i had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now I see with my eyes therefore i despise myself and i repent in dust and ashes like job some of us wondered is god not paying attention do you not know what's going on in my life and he says i was there when i made were you there when i made the ocean were you there when i made the mountains i know every deer that goes for a drink i know every fawn that is born how about you do you know that and we go to the lord and say lord uh Maybe you weren't listening to me. That's what John Calvin says. Do we have to remind God? Is he sleeping? Is he not paying attention? Is he just waiting for us to remind him of our needs? No, God is sovereign. He knows our needs. But why do we go to him in prayer? Can't we just go into our little room at the house and sit there silently and let God read our minds? Wouldn't that be cool? I don't want God to read my mind. I know he does. What's my mind filled with? Oh, not not the best things. But let's just say, read my mind on my prayers, Lord, so I don't have to say them. No, the Lord wants us to say them. He wants us to say what is on our hearts. It's very important for us to call upon him. This is what Calvin says. So that our hearts may be fired with a zealous and burning desire ever to seek, love, and serve him while becoming accustomed in every need to flee to him as our secure anchor our sacred anchor there's nothing too small that you can't take to god in prayer okay i was talking to somebody yesterday well we're supposed to be in prayer all all the time aren't we yes that doesn't mean we're on our knees all the time but we're in communion with the lord any moment we can talk to him secondly there should be no desire and no wish at all should enter our hearts of which we should be ashamed to make him a witness Is there a desire in your heart that you don't want God to know about? Too late? He already knows. He already knows. Thirdly, that we are prepared to receive his benefits with gratitude and thanksgiving. Those things come from his hand. So we have to be reminded, the benefits our Heavenly Father bestows upon us are good because he calls them good. I didn't like what I got I didn't like the circumstances that are going on in my life, but they're good. Why? They will shape and conform me to his will. Prayer is a time with God himself. We have the privilege, the privilege of sharing our innermost thoughts and desires with the creator of all that we see. He says, come, speak to me, make your request known. So we come in order to know him and to be known by him. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you because you command us to. We pray to you because there is no other place, no other entity that can bring change into this world. There are things that change in this world. But you alone have the power to act supernaturally into this world. So we do pray for healing. We do pray for deliverance, supernatural deliverance from trials and tribulations that we face. Even though we know that sometimes that answer is no because we need to go through those. Sometimes it is no and our loved ones and people we care for still pass away. Because you're shaping us. You're extending our patience as we have cared for them. You're extending our mercy and and making us humble and compassionate when otherwise we would not have been. You are working all things for the good of those who believe, who are called according to your purposes. Whether we define them as good or not, they're good because you say so. And Lord, you call us to come to you, the creator of all that we see and lay everything in our hearts before you. You are sovereign and your will will be done. Lord, we pray that you would conform our will to yours so that we might rest in you no matter what our circumstances, no matter what we see going on around us. You are the one that formed mountains you're the one that said the, the oceans can only go this far not a sparrow falls you are not aware of it you're sovereign overall lord we pray that you would bring peace to our hearts especially those hearts that are confused in anguish over this Maybe for years, Lord, there have been those who have struggled with this and and they have not spoken to you since some event has happened. And they're afraid to, to talk about it. Remind them that they can talk about it with you. That they can pour out their heart and their questions to you. Your answer might be, I am sovereign. Help them to rest in that answer. Help them to rest in the fact that you are God over all things. We pray that in our prayers, in our time with you, conform us to you, bring us the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, that we may walk in this world not afraid, but trusting in the one who rules over all. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.